Can we turn uh, for another scripture reading to the Gospel of John, chapter 14, and beginning our reading at verse 15, John's Gospel, chapter 14, and reading from the 15th verse of the chapter. John's Gospel, chapter 14, and reading from verse 15. If ye love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye shall see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to our hearts for his name's sake. Let's unite again the word of prayer. Our gracious and our loving Father in heaven, we do uh, come to thee uh, rejoicing in the Comforter, the one who has been sent as our paraclete to draw alongside and to help us. And our Father, we pray that even as we consider uh, the Holy Spirit today, we do thank thee for the Holy Spirit who dwells in our hearts, who leads us into all truth, who guides us, who sends conviction into the hearts of sinners and into our own hearts. And we do thank thee for the fact that we have a God who not only lives with us, but dwells in our hearts. And we do thank thee for all of God's provision for us day by day. And our Father, we rejoice that we're not left comfortless, but thou hast said that Thou wilt be with us evermore. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So be with us now as we consider thy word and bless it to our souls, for it is in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. I want to start um, a series today on the Holy Spirit, and I want you to do that because there is a lot of misunderstanding, even amongst God's people, about the Holy Spirit. There are two different um, thoughts or ways of treating the Holy Spirit. There are many churches, charismatic Pentecostal churches, where the Holy Spirit is in the very center. He is one who is uh, promoted and one who is really paramount in those churches and they almost speak nothing else but about the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. On the other hand, there are many other places where there's not much said about the Holy Spirit at all. And you will have heard that in the Bible, the Holy Spirit testifies of Christ, and that's true. The Holy Spirit does testify of Christ, and maybe the Lord Jesus Christ is the one that we are to focus upon. But because the Holy Spirit testifies of Christ doesn't mean that we 
should not testify of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is God. He is the third person of the Trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it would be wrong for us to ignore the third person of the Holy Spirit. Now, because he's the third person doesn't mean that he's any lesser. He is God and he's equal with God. He is uh, just the third person of the Trinity. And we think of how he is God. He is deity. We are not uh, tritheists in any way. There's not three gods. There is one God. But the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. And we should not ignore the Holy Spirit. Our thought is that of the Jewish Shema or the Word of God in Exodus 20, verse 33, where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy mind and with all thy soul. And the Bible says, Let there thou shalt have no other gods before me. There is one God. He is one power. He has one glory. He is, he is one in attribute. All the attributes of the Godhead are the same. There is one God, but there are three persons in the Godhead. And you can see that in many ways in the Word of God. For example, the great benediction that closes the second letter to the Corinthians the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. There you have God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and they are all one. Or you think of the Great Commission. When we're sent out, the Lord Jesus sent his disciples into the world, and he said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And there you have the three persons of the Trinity mentioned together. We are baptized in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit because they are uh, the three persons of the Godhead. But we can see then for that reason and that reason alone, we need to know about the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in the book of Daniel, the people who do, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And if we're going to know God, then we need to know the third person of the Godhead. And we need to know what he is and who he is and what he is doing. In John chapter 16, verses 7 and 8, the Lord said, It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. So when the Lord Jesus went from this scene of time, the Holy Spirit came. So when not only is he God, but when you and I have dealings with God, when God speaks to us, when God uh, is with us, we feel his presence. What we are feeling is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And for that reason also, 
We need to know who the Holy Spirit is. In John 16, verse 13, it says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So the Holy Spirit is operating in this world at this present time. Indeed, child of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God is in your heart and he's dwelling with you today. So we want to think over the next number of weeks about the Holy Spirit, about his power, about his influence, about his gifts, about his witness, about the sealing of the Spirit. And we want to think about the Holy Spirit and what he is. But what today, what we want to focus upon is who, who the Holy Spirit is. We're going to define, or defining the Holy Spirit. We want to see what the Bible has to say about the deity and personality of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to do some groundwork today. It'll maybe be a little bit more theological than some of the other things that we're dealing with. But nevertheless, I think it is vital today that we know who the Holy Spirit is. And first of all, then, we're looking here at verses 16 and 17 of the portion of Scripture that we read. But I want you to see the crowning majesty of the Holy Spirit. We are told here in verses 16 and 17 that he is the Spirit of truth. If you look at verse 17, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. He is the Spirit of truth. Now, what a magnificent title that is. And the first thing that we underline is that the Holy Spirit is fully God. We need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because if we're going to have a relationship with God, then the Holy Spirit is God. He is called in the Bible the breath of the Almighty. He is called the eternal Spirit. In Psalm 51, it speaks of the free spirit in that he gives freely. Or in Psalm 143 verses, or verse 10, it says, Thy spirit is good. He, he, he is the, we have the goodness of God manifested in the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of the living God, the spirit of God, the spirit of the Father, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of the Son, the spirit of life. In Isaiah chapter 11, it is called the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Here he's the spirit of truth. In Romans 1, he's the spirit of holiness. Here he is called the comforter, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside to help us. In the Hebrew, the word is ruach, and it is just a an onomatopoeic word, which just means that it sounds uh, the way that it's meant to mean, ruach. You have, this, you have this, the breath, the spirit coming out. And it's, the word ruach speaks of power, of energy, of force. Because the Holy Spirit, God is a God of force, a God of power, a God of might. He has created all things. All things have come into existence by the Holy Spirit of God. He sat upon 
the waters in the beginning, and you have the Ruach in the Old Testament, and it speaks of that force, that force of immediate creation, that force of sustaining all things, that force of being able to lift hell-deserving sinners out of that death and bring them to life by the irresistible power of Almighty God. That's the Holy Spirit. He is God. In Psalm 33 and verse 6, by the Ruach, by the Holy Spirit, he gives power. He gives power to redemption. And you think of what John Owen, the great Puritan, said in 1657, speaking on that verse, the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. He said, he wrote a whole document about it, but he spoke about how we are to worship this God. He is worthy of our worship today because he is the God of might and power. So we see the crowning majesty of the Holy Spirit. But then I want you to think about the common mistakes about the Holy Spirit. You'll notice what it says there in verse 17, howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. That's uh, John chapter 16, actually. When he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you unto all truth. And one of the, whole, the common mistakes that is made about the Holy Spirit is to think about the Holy Spirit as a force. Now, we've already said that the name Holy Spirit speaks about force, speaks about power, but that's not just what the Holy Spirit is. He's not just force and power. He has force and power, but he is a person. He is a person. He has personality, and we don't think about the Holy Spirit just as a, uh, as a force. He, he's not. You'll notice in the text, it speaks of, or John 16, it speaks of him as he, not it. Now, this is one of the common ways in which even God's people can blaspheme the Holy Spirit. We can treat him as just a, a force, an entity. You can speak about the Holy Spirit as just coming with the force of God. He's not just a force, he's a person. Therefore, what do you do with a person? You treat him as a guest. You treat them as you would treat someone that was your guest. You would bring them in. You would have communion with them. You wouldn't just leave them sitting there and go away and do your own thing. You would welcome that person in. You would treat that person well. And you would uh, make sure that that person was well provided for. He is our guest. He is our guest dwelling in. He's not just a force. He's not just a power. But he is a person. And he has all of the uh, attributes of personality within him, as we'll see. But another common mistake that is made, even by people of God, is not only just thinking about the Holy Spirit as a force, but as a feeling. Sometimes you get people, and uh, even in churches, and, and actually most likely in churches, where people treat the Holy Spirit as a feeling, as a tingling as a, a warmth within them. And they will go to meetings and they will look for this tingling feeling and for this warmth within them. And they will maybe feel that they will get that from 
the music or from the circumstances or because it's a a good show, they will feel uh, wonderful and they will enjoy it. And that sense of enjoyment, they associate with the Holy Spirit. And then maybe sometimes they get into difficulty and things are going wrong and trials come and they feel because they associate the Holy Spirit as just this tingling feeling and this warmth, they feel because they've got into difficulty and things aren't just as going as well as they uh, were going, that the Holy Spirit has left them. But you see, the Holy Spirit is not just a warmth or a tingling. The Holy Spirit is with his people even in the midst of the trials and the difficulties. When things are hard, and when it seems as if there's a coldness and maybe even uh, there's a barrenness around us and nobody else is joining in the worship, the Lord is still there. The Holy Spirit is still dwelling in the hearts of God's people, doing that beautiful, quiet work that work of soothing the soul, that work of drawing alongside, that work of being a comforter. Even in the midst of the trying days, the Holy Spirit is there. So he's not just a force, and he's not just a feeling. And something else, he's not just a feature that you take up and lay down. You know, some people think, well, the Holy Spirit is um, a power that I can take up and a power that I can lay down, a power that I can have at times, and a power that I don't have at times. And maybe we get that impression in times in the Bible that the Holy Spirit is someone that we take up and put down, or even, as many people think, something that we take up and take down. You think of that verse in Acts chapter 9 and verse 2. Have ye received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And that word received leads people to think, well, this is something that you can receive or something that you can reject. The Bible, the Scriptures, speak of the Holy Ghost which is in you. Not your possession, but he's your guest, as we said. He's in you as a guest. He's in you not to do your, our business, but to do his business. And you sometimes have people and you, uh, they just take the Holy Spirit as a feature in their lives, as something to be set up and something to be left behind at times. The Holy Spirit is not like that. He's a person. You can't treat the Holy Spirit like that. Then there are those that make the mistake of treating the Holy Spirit as functional, something to make use of. There are those who only are concerned about the Holy Spirit as to how they can use the the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, come and bless my work. And we do want the Lord to bless our work if we're doing uh, his work, but we're not there for the Holy Spirit just to come and be our servant. He's God. He's not our servant. Sometimes we can treat the Holy Spirit just like a servant, And he comes and does our bidding and does what we want him to do. And he's not a servant. He's God. And there are those common mistakes about the Holy Spirit of God. And we can blaspheme the Holy... or Well, we can uh, grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, Blaspheme the Holy Spirit is a whole other kettle of fish. But we can grieve the Holy Spirit by 
not treating him as God and as a person that we are to have come and go with day by day. If he's a person, you treat him as a person. You can speak to him. You can deal with him. You can have conversation with him day by day. The common mistakes about the Holy Spirit. But then can we come to the crucial marks of the Holy Spirit? What are the characteristic marks of the Holy Spirit? Well, we can see that he's a person because he speaks. He speaks to us. You think of how when the Lord Jesus, uh, or, or Philip rather, when Philip was in Samaria and he was told to go to the south and to meet the Ethiopian eunuch who was in a chariot on his way home from Jerusalem. And it says, Then uh, then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, He's speaking. And then after Peter's vision on the housetop, we read in Acts chapter 10, verse 19, While Peter thought on the vision, the the, uh, Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. And Philip listened to the Holy Spirit, and Peter listened to the Holy Spirit, and did what the Holy Spirit wanted them to do. In our text here in verse 17, he's called the Spirit of Truth. And if you look at verse uh, 26 here of the passage, it says, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So there he is, he's speaking, he's, he's teaching. Teaching and speaking. He'll bring to remembrance all things that I have said unto you. He will teach you all things. So if the Holy Spirit teaches us and if the Holy Spirit speaks to us, what do we need to do? Listen. Listen. Have you heard the voice of the Holy Spirit? Has the Holy Spirit of God uh, been teaching you? He teaches us the deep things. We, We read earlier on how he leads us to understand the things that are to come the things that pertain to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He leads us, he teaches us. So we need our ears tuned to the spiritual voice of the Holy Spirit of God. That's paramount. As God's people, we need to hear God speaking. And we hear God speaking by means or through the Holy Spirit in this day. Not only does the Holy Spirit speak, but the Holy Spirit prays. In Romans 8, verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself, and it should be himself, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. When we can't pray, and when the burden is too great, and when we don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit makes the intercessions for us. He gives us the things to pray. He puts in our minds what it is that we are to pray. And again, we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. He He prays for us, but also he makes the intercessions for us to pray. And that's real prayer. When you're praying in the Holy Spirit, when you're praying the things that the Holy Spirit is putting in your heart, then that is real prayer. So if we're going to really pray, then we need to know the direction of the Holy Spirit. Something else, the Holy Spirit wills. 
He has a will. Sometimes we want to get the Holy Spirit to do our will. Do what we want the Holy Spirit to, to do. But that, that's not what we, we do. We do what the Holy Spirit wills. But we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, it says of the Holy Spirit, But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing uh, to every man severally as he will. As he will. He's a will. There's, there are things that the Holy Spirit wants us to do. There are things that the Holy Spirit wants for the work of God to achieve. There are things that he wills. And how foolish it would be if we're not doing the will of God, if we're not doing what he wants us to do. Oh, we think of the infinite wisdom of God. You know, there are things that we will, and they're foolish things. And we mightn't think they're foolish things, but in the end, if they were done, they would be foolish. But when we do the will of God, we're doing that which is wise. We're doing that which is right and that which is effective and powerful at the end of the day. So we need to know the will of the Holy Spirit. And then something else. The Holy Spirit leads. In Romans 8 verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Isn't that wonderful? We have a divine person who leads us who guides us when we don't know what to do, where to go, what's the right thing in the midst of the experiences of life. Again, we think of God's wisdom, but God has sent us the paraclete, the comforter, the one who comes alongside to help us and to be with us. In the days of the American pioneers, uh, when they were going out west, they got the wagon trains and there were the Indians and there was the Uh, topography of the land and the mountains and the rivers and they wouldn't have been able to get across the country if they hadn't got a a wagon train leader. They needed a a wagoneer uh, to get them along the way and it's the same with us today. There were the outlaws, there were the, the, the mountains. They needed a guide and we need a guide. How much we need a guide. You're a young person, maybe facing the incoming days, a career, buying a house, marriage, fatherhood, motherhood, old age, losing those you love, facing death. We need one to lead us, to guide us. But we have one who guides us into all truth. And he has all the attributes of God. He is God, and we thank God for the one who is the spirit of truth. There's absolutely no sense of a lie about him. There's no scam here. We get many scammers in this day and generation, people who want to fleece us and take what we have and take our identity and take our money and all the rest of it. And you hardly know who to believe today. and You hardly know what to uh, believe. But we can believe the mighty God of heaven. He guides us, leads us, shows us the way. We have the Holy Spirit of God to do that. Are we listening to him? Have we drawn near to him? He he is a person. What we need to do is listen to what he's saying, speaking in our hearts, speaking through the word. We need to listen to what God has to say to our hearts. But one more thing I want us to see today, and that's 
the consequential meaning of the Holy Spirit. We have seen that he's God. We have seen that he's a person. We've seen how he speaks, how he leads, how he acts, how he wills. We've thought about his wisdom, his teaching, and all the rest of it. But what does it mean practically to you and to me? Well, one thing that it means is that he's to be worshipped. Daniel says, Daniel eleven thirty two. the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And because the Holy Spirit is a person, we can get to know him. We can get to know him, as we said. You can get to know him like you get to know anybody else. How do you get to know somebody? By speaking to them, by listening to them. And that's why Bible reading and prayer is so important. That's why it is absolutely vital to the child of God. You know, the preacher often speaks about Bible reading and prayer. Well, that's why. Because that's how we get to know our God. We listen to his word. We we listen to what he says in the word of God. And we speak to him as we come to him in the place of prayer. And one of the things that we'll know more deeply is his love. He loves us. We read in Romans 15 and verse 13, Now I beseech you, brethren, uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. He speaks about the love of the Holy Spirit. And that's another wonderful thing. The one who is in your heart, child of God, the one who wants to lead you, And the one who is a spirit of truth and will never tell you a lie and will never lead you in the wrong way also loves you. Loves you. Loves you with an everlasting love. We often think about the love of the Father. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. We often think about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. And the Bible says here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. But how often do we think about the love of the Holy Spirit? There is God dwelling in your heart today. And he dwells in your heart, but he loves you. Loves you like nobody else could love you. Knows you in and out. Knows all about your faults and failures. And we kneel down Many times we look in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ and we say, I love you. We look up to God as we come to him in prayer and we say, loving Father, we love you. But what about the Holy Spirit? Do we love the Holy Spirit? Leads us and guides us and speaks to us and gives us that wisdom day by day. Oh, we need to love him and we need to worship him. We, We worship the full trinity, we worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course we do. But there is got to be a part in our worship for the Holy Spirit. In his great high priestly prayer, in John 17, verse 21, the Lord said that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also be one in us, and the world may believe that thou hast sent me. What does God want How do we love the Lord? Well, the way that we love the Lord is to be one with him. To be one with him. In Matthew 19, verse 5, it speaks of a good marriage. And it says, the two shall be one. And that's the same 
as we are in our Heavenly Father today and in the Holy Spirit, we are one. Our personality and the personality of the Holy Spirit, they need to be in relationship. They need to be melded together as much as possible. Thank God for the one that we serve and the one that we love, the one who has come from heaven and has come to be our comforter and our guide and our teacher and our enlightener and to be with us day by day through not only the good things of life but through the valley of the shadow and in the times of trial and difficulty we have a holy spirit who the lord said i will never leave thee or forsake you i'm giving you the comforter the comforter is going to be with you and he is with you child of god day by day the the, the Spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are the sons of God. He's in you. He's with you. Can I say to those of you that are not saved, he's not with you. He's not with you. One of the blessings of, for the child of God is that we have the Holy Spirit who changes our hearts, and he's in us and with us. And that's why, that's how we can live the way that we do. That's how we can uh, follow God. We, we, we feel God many times, but the Holy Spirit is in us, guiding us, being with us, helping us along the way. Wouldn't you want somebody to be your guide, an infallible guide, a wise guide? Wouldn't you want somebody to help you in the midst of the troubles of life? Oh, dear friend, when you are saved, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in your heart. And if you're not saved today, may you know the Holy Spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, the Spirit of Christ dwelling in you, the Spirit of the Father dwelling in you. You see, wherever the Holy Spirit is, you have, this, you have Christ, you have, the, you have the Father. They are one. They are one. You can't separate them. And what a wonderful thing to have the Lord Jesus Christ his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God the Father, dwelling in you. May you know him with all of your heart today. May we have our ears open to him. May we listen to his voice day by day. And may we be led by the Holy Spirit of God. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. Let's just unite in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank thee for thy precious word today. We thank thee for the spirit of truth who guides us into all truth. And our Father, we thank thee for the one who dwells in the hearts of his people. We're glad that he's not far away. We thank thee that he's with us every step that we take. We, we cannot get away from our God today if we're saved by the grace of God. O oh God, we thank thee for thy many provisions for us. Bless us now, we'd ask of thee, and write thy word upon our hearts, and bless us abundantly as we go our separate ways later on, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. Can we turn to the hymn 177? We'll sing a few verses. Come, gracious Spirit, heavenly dove, with light and comfort from above, be thou our guardian, thou our guide. Or every thought and step presigned. We'll sing the first two verses of the hymn and we'll stand as we sing.
Bless us now with thy Holy Spirit. We pray that thou wouldst uh, be our help and guide even in these incoming days. Take us to our homes and safety. Watch over us there and bless us throughout this day and bless thy word wherever it goes forth. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen.